This is Tell Me More About It, the podcast created to help ISU school psych students navigate the program. Today, we'd like to tell you more about TAP for the first year graduate student. So, I have a story. Okay, not involving the dog. No, it doesn't involve the dog, actually. Okay, so I think the last time I talked to you, she went to puppy playtime for the first time ever. Okay. Okay. And she like freaked out, but then she was totally fine the rest of the time with all the dogs and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole time since then, that was like two months ago, probably. Mm-hmm. She's been fine. Like we've been just chilling, hanging with our friends, like our doggy friends. Tonight we go to puppy playtime and all the other puppies are now six months, but they're like six month old pit bulls and mm. big labs. So they're really big and strong and Mean. powerful. And yeah. she's a six month old miniature labradoodle. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, many, how often is puppy playtime? Like once a week. Okay. So you're not going after work every day. Okay. I was no. worried about that. You're doing well, it more than you're doing it more than once a week though. I'm doing it more than once a week, but it's like a thing like once a week. It's like But a, we all still go to the park after work, so it ends up, you know, like I was there last night too, if you want to yeah. Unofficial puppy playtime last yeah, night. Yeah, so if we had to look at the last seven days. If I wanted to progress monitor this. I've I've probably been four or five times. I mean, I think, it's part of my routine now. I get off work, I go to puppy playtime. I think the last time we talked too, before internship, you had described you as a stay-at-home dog mom, mm-hmm. and now you're just a, a working dog, dog mom. mom. You're a working dog mom. <laughs> so tonight, we're at the dog park with like her two best friends that she plays with all the time, like, you know. Mm-hmm. all the time her the, their parents are like my age so yeah so are the dogs named uh steph and brian <laughs> no but kind of okay this is actually even better so the dogs lola and leia but we'll refer to them as steph and brian <laughs> they steph brian and jess jess mm-hmm. is bella we're playing in the dog bella. park tonight which okay? one is steph Steph is Lola. Lola is like a minute, a little pit bull, a six month old pit bull, and just like goes the whole time. (laughs) I would assume that would be Steph too. Yep. Yep. And Leia is like pretty nice, um, but like a little feisty. Like she comes in when you're least expecting it. So kind of just exactly the us. So (laughs) you and your dog certainly have their types <laughs> yeah well and bella's like the more like i'm gonna get you but then i'm gonna get out of here like i'm not confrontational like i'm gonna do it and leave okay just come in yeah periodically okay yep so we're at the dog park and brian and steph are like pretty big now and they're like fighting at the dog park and bella's kind of in the midst of it but brian and steph both pin down Jess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Lola, Steph is like rah, 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 the whole time. Typical and we keep Lola. having to separate the dogs and then we put them back together and then they're just like separate, put them back together, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, eventually Bella like is cowering between my legs mm. and like jumping up at me to go. And I wasn't getting it because usually she's like super happy with these dogs, like it's fine. And she starts running to the door mm-hmm. and I'm like, I gotta go. Yeah. So Jess left. Jess bailed. So this is this is a playtime that you drop your kid off and then you leave. No. No. You I'm there. Oh. At the playtime. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. When you said Jess, you met Bella. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to talk about tap today, but let's put some parameters because tap is so many different things. And what we want to talk about is maybe just tap for first years. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe we can talk about tap for second years later. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need a special guest today because honestly, we know about tap. We've got this in the bag. And, and Jess has basically fulfilled every role at TAP. Except for Sprouts. But today, like you said, we're going to talk about what TAP means for first-year students. And this is part of your pre-practicum experience. And this is TAP pre-coronavirus. Yeah. So I think what we know is... uh, pre-pandemic, excuse me, pre-pandemic tap. So we'll probably talk about it through our lens. So what, yeah, to set the table, tap is essentially one third of your pre-practicum experience. And the way it used to be, and probably the way it will be going forward once the world has gone back to uh, meeting in person, um, is that as a first year, you will be assigned to a tap social skills group that meets in the evenings um, one time a week at uh, well it, at we met at milestones it could be a different place um, and what so yeah how many groups are there how many social skills well, groups are there usually like probably about five okay. ranging in ages from four years old to 18, 19 years old. So they're just cut off by ages. So like the young kids are like four to six, then you've got early elementary and then late elementary, middle school and high school. How do they typically try to group the kids? Um, When I was a supervisor, we tried to do it by age, Um, skill and age, but more so age. Okay. So, but Skill ability is sometimes a part of the equation, but maybe lesser than age. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, we're talking about the clients and not the grad students. It depends on your perspective. <laughs> um, but then you could expect to be in a, in a group. So my first year, I was in gold group. And um, my good friend, Kirsten Johnson, was my fellow first year in that group. So you can expect to be in 
like paired or maybe two or three first years assigned to the same group? I was with uh, my good friend Kaylee Kinnear hmm. and uh, I think I, I forgot her name. So someone else. Hmm. I don't know. I was with someone else too. Someone else. Yeah. That's right. I do remember because we were the same night. So uh, Kirsten and yeah. I would come in a little bit earlier than you guys for gold group and then it was staggered a bit and orange group started later and you and somebody else and Kaylee um, were always there in the big room and I would I would I would walk by and wave and Kaylee would shoot me a dirty look and uh, then the other one would ignore me I don't remember if you waved or not you might have waved we weren't friends first year remember so I probably like awkwardly stared and walked by you that's true yeah <laughs> and so I it's in the evening it starts about 6 30 yeah. Well, no. 5.30, right? Okay. Or you get there at 5.30. None I'm of sorry. these details are important. I don't know why we're not talking no, about the real thing. Okay, so as first-year graduate students, uh -huh. you're placed in social skills group, okay? We have one explained. What is TAP? It, what does it stand for? The autism place. Right. Or oh. program. Right. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a service uh, for children with autism. And the evening mm -hmm. classes are designed to build social skills uh, with these kids. Yep. And so it's a clinic run by school psychology graduate students. Um, so you have fourth year third and fourth year students who supervise second year and first year students. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your social skills group, the clinicians are comprised of a few undergrads, mm -hmm. a couple first years and typically two second years, but if your group's smaller, it'll be one second year. Um, it just kind of depends. Mm -hmm. And the second years are the ones that, who are your group leaders. So you kind of like follow their lead and get like quote unquote supervised by them a little bit. Um, so as a first year graduate student, the first semester you basically have the same role as the undergraduate clinicians. And actually what I found my first year is that like my skill level was a little bit lower than the undergraduate clinicians because a lot of them had been there for so long um, and been working with kids with autism, whereas I hadn't been. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was really a learning curve my first semester, first year uh, to yeah. learn how to work with kids with autism. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it was daunting. I was... Mm -hmm. I was very uncomfortable the first yeah. week. I had never worked with this population before. And if you haven't, or even if you have a little bit, like this is um, this is a really great environment to, to learn and it can be a little overwhelming at first. And I, yeah. I think that's a pretty common feeling. I have heard other people be Yeah, exhausted. I, I would agree. That's a very common feeling, but you, you go into it and you think like, wow, everyone looks like they're so good at this. Mm. Um, but a lot of times it's because the undergrads have been there a few semesters and the second years are on their second year. But I would say you pick it up pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And by the second semester, you take on more responsibilities. So that's when your role becomes different from the first or from the graduate or excuse me, from the undergraduate clinicians. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
even in that first semester, you may be given opportunity to work with a kid more one-on-one, -on -one. um, meaning even though you're, you're watching over a, a group of kids, which may be like 10, about 10 kids, you may be assigned to um, one kid on a particular night. And so you will, you will pay attention to that kid in particular. Um, so we should probably talk about data, collecting data. Yeah, so every social skills group collects data a little bit differently. Um, typically, the things that you collect data on are uh, conversation skills, um, like or like friendship skills, play skills, and emotion regulation or coping skills. Um, life, so life skills. What? No, go ahead. Yep, you're. I was. You're, you're on the right track. Yep. Some second years take it upon themselves to collect data on things that. Um, maybe have never or aren't very common to take data on and that would be life skills um i think that's become more common uh, in the past few years but hmm. when brian and i led we took it upon ourselves to try to create like our own little way to collect data on life skills um so yeah. as a second year you kind of get to design your intervention and your like curriculum that you're implementing um, but as a first year, you, you are either you're assigned a few clients or one client and you have to take data on them. Um, but your second year clinicians explain your data sheets um, and they, they kind of tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So as a first year, you, you can come in and expect to kind of um, be trained by the second years about what skills they want to build in this in the group that you have. And then they will give you a, a data sheet, a way to um, record how well each kid is doing. And so they'll explain how to fill that out. And then every night you will watch closely for behaviors. And that might be um, one kid saying hello to another kid or, or using a hand gesture um, or asking a question or giving a compliment. And then you would tally these things and then through the uh, behavior modification skills that you learn in your class, you will work to improve those skills week to week. So you will use those lessons of reinforcement um, to help the kids increase the number of times they're doing those things. And so over the course of the semester and year, hopefully you have more tally marks for those good behaviors than you did when you began. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned the BMOD class. Mm -hmm. Over the course of time, that's when you are learning with Gary in the classroom and you're able to implement those skills outside of the classroom, which is like one of the special parts of TAP, I think. Like you actually see what you learn come together and work um, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it's a good way to test out the things you're learning because I think like these were new principles I didn't really know much about uh, functions of behavior anything I didn't know anything about functions of behavior or how to uh, increase a behavior or decrease a behavior and that's what you're taught in the class so then you can apply it to uh, all kinds of places but specifically tap mm -hmm. and head start too is, is yeah. a good place to apply it to now these first years if they're listening in the 2020 fall <laughs> semester yeah. are likely 
unable to apply these skills um but right now currently but I would not worry about that um the things you learn in Gary's class stick with you kind of forever so yeah um that's true you that's a really good class and just pay attention and you you'll learn and be able to apply things next semester once things open up a little bit yeah you want to talk about tickets yeah so um something you'll also learn about in gary's class is a token economy and um so at tap a, a token economy is where well i'll just explain how we do it at tap yeah. so kids get tickets for engaging in um what brian was talking about earlier like a greeting saying hi or um waving whatever skill they're they're working on if they do it they get a ticket um no so you kids get tickets for the skills that they're working on that night or the the behaviors they're working on that night mm -hmm. and then they save up these tickets so they get lots of tickets and then they save up these tickets to go to the tap store and um the tap store has like candy, little toys, they love them. Um, but we also can like get them different prizes that they want. And like, I've seen kids save up hundreds and hundreds of tickets for like something that's really expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so the point of that is to motivate them to engage in these behaviors or to talk to their peers. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you as a clinician, you have a pocket full of tickets and you walk around and if, if, a, if you want to increase um, the number of times a kid asks a question, then you will notice a kid ask a question and then say, great job asking a question, and then giving a ticket right then to reinforce mm -hmm. that behavior. Yeah, fun fact, Carla hates it when you say job. So you could really? say, good asking a question. Yeah, I, I didn't know this until my fourth year I'd never heard that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. When she was like, instead of, I think she just realized as a program, we should stop saying job and we should be more like behavior specific. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what else do we need to tell people about tap that have never been to tap before? Um, yeah. Uh, it can be chaotic. And mm -hmm. I, I think back to the point of like how you're going to feel the first few weeks uh, it'll feel overwhelming and it will feel like you're not doing a great job. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's important because it, it will probably be chaotic and it will probably feel like you're not really helping much or doing much change. Um, but uh, if you kind of stick with it and um, figure it out, um, it'll get a lot better. Yeah, I think um, I felt very helpless at TAP my first semester mm -hmm. and I will say leaving like after being at TAP all four years in grad school leaving like that was I realized the one place that I really felt that I truly was able to make a difference with kids mm -hmm. um, because yeah. I, I don't know that that uh, like behaviorism and the taking data and just watching their uh, data get so much better is really rewarding and so it might feel like you're not making that big of a difference but once you look at the data, you, you really are. You'll see it. Yeah. You'll see it. Mm -hmm. And many of us get um, or become attached to uh, the kids, the, the groups, like it's, it's a, it's a great experience. We really enjoy it over time, even though we typically start thinking like, this is really difficult. 
Yeah. Yeah. But by the end of your first year, you get very attached to the kiddos and Mm -hmm. um, they get very attached to you. And a lot of people seem to really enjoy tap. So, yeah. So your second semester, first year at tap, you start to take on a few more responsibilities. So that's how your role changes a little bit from the undergraduate clinicians. Mm -hmm. Um, And those responsibilities are just what the second year graduate students are doing, but you take them on very slowly, one at a time, and you typically only have to do them one time. It it changes every year though. So um, you'll like write one session planner, you'll write one home connection, You'll plan one lesson. Now, again, this this changes every year, so it, it could be different this year. Um, but it's just to, like, supervise you very closely so that you get used to or understand what goes into leading a group your second year because it is a lot more behind-the-scenes work than um, you would actually expect. Yeah. Brian, how long – well, we probably shouldn't go there. That would scare them. Yeah, the- this would be a good teaser for a, our potentially next episode. Oh, yeah. Being a second year in TAP. There you go. Look at that. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, Jess, everything you said was absolutely right. You'll be given a little bit more exposure to the responsibilities that you will have in second year because as part of this program, you are usually also grouped with another cohort member to help run and facilitate a uh, social skills group. And then it's up to you to kind of um, come up with the curriculum and and design the data uh, taking process. And that is a lot of fun and a lot of work. Um, So more about that. I'm going to put you on the spot. Was that your favorite part of grad school? answer wisely answer wisely (laughs) yeah you know I think I'll say this um should we preface by saying we let a group together it was why I'm asking this yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) I like how you you've made this a very loaded question (laughs) yeah yeah I know I know yeah, I love leading the group. I just wish I had a better co-leader. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed working uh, with Chess as my, my co-leader for Orange Group. And we were able to do a lot of cool stuff. And honestly, it might have been. It probably was my favorite experience in, in, in grad school because I felt like, like honestly, I... I did. I really enjoyed working with you. We worked together really well. I'm not, I'm not even like trying to be funny or anything. It was, I I didn't even try to ask that question to get all this praise, but I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) So a, there was that, but also like we got to do things um, that we typically didn't get to do in other settings. Right. I felt like we had more, um, there was higher stakes. Like, like it was, higher stakes and more ownership over something yeah and so it felt more fulfilling i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your biggest piece of advice to first year graduate students at tap i 
I think it's, I don't want to paint this as overly negative, but my first few weeks were rough, and I think a lot of people's are. So I think you have to take a mentality of like weathering the storm early on. Um, I think it's important to like just kind of be realistic. Like you might not like it. You might. You might take to it really quickly. But the first couple of weeks, like you might not like it. And that might be the way it is for a little while. But, but um, persisting through that, like you will learn to, to love something about it. And I think uh, it's a very rewarding experience. So what about you, if you have any advice? I'm not sure I can top that. Um, no, I mean, I agree. I think, I think my biggest piece of advice, and this is a lot simpler than what you said, but it's kind of the same thing is like, it'll be okay. No matter what, it's going to be okay. Um, you're going to make mistakes, but you're also going to do such great things for these kids. And you're mm -hmm. focused on the relationships you're making with the kids too, because those will last with you forever. I, I, I truly think like these will be um, the kids, you know, I'll still be thinking about them 20 years from now when I'm working at a school. Um, so I think focus on your relationships and it'll be okay. Yeah. We need a, we need a city here. <laughs> Okay, I've got one. Okay. Oh man. Jeff. Is that crunchy? No, it's it's creamy. This is the dog peanut butter bowl cuz apparently oh. that's a thing. <laughs> um No, Henry has to give the dogs peanut butter every time before he leaves his dog alone cuz his dog has really bad separation anxiety to the point where he destroyed our back door. Like it's like destroyed really he's 10 pounds or something um so we go through a lot of dog peanut butter okay yeah um but the jm smucker company <laughs> runs out of orville ohio okay that's a good tie-in yeah. what okay so your goofy dogs eat the peanut butter that was made in orville ohio Orville, Ohio. And you want me to tell you what the weather is there? Yes, I would love that. Okay. So Ohio is still in the Midwest. I would say it is 78 degrees there in Orville, Ohio. All right. Okay. It's 8.18 p.m., which means it's 9.18 p.m. in Orville, Ohio. Oh, no, you might win this one. Now, you're south, so maybe it is 78 degrees where you are. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, it's probably about 60 degrees here outside, if I walked outside. Really? Really. Okay. So, I'm this assuming... It's going to be a good one. <laughs> I am not really sure where Orville is. I know, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like Illinois, Southern Illinois goes a little bit further south than, than Ohio. 
if I'm not positive, because Ohio borders Kentucky. So I like I like how much thought you're putting into this. It all, <laughs> I need a win here, okay? It all depends on if Orville is located in northern Ohio or southern Ohio. I what did you say? 78? 78. So I'm gonna go with 72. Okay. This is a I like this. This is gonna be good. Am I looking it up? Yeah, of course. Seventy-three degrees. Oh, in oh. It's only taken me since March, but I got a second win. <laughs> okay, then this will be our last podcast. <laughs> you get the first podcast. You get the last podcast, <laughs> and that's it. No, that was really impressive because you went through your your process and you like located it mentally. And you said, if it's, here's my odds, and you went lower, and you were one degree off. Right on. I used my executive functioning skills today. Um, <laughs> during quarantine, I didn't use those, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, now that yeah. I'm working, I've got them. So. It shows. It shows. Okay, congratulations. You know, have That's two. That's it, wins. folks. Mm -hmm.